Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I am so grateful to be connecting with you right now. So grateful for the podcast technology. Grateful for Unity Radio. And our joining. Yes. All this technology enables us to join together. I am Jennifer Hadley. That is my name. And I am that I am. (laughs) And our topic this week is when it feels impossible to let go, when it feels impossible to let go, when it feels compulsive, obsessive, the thoughts are so sticky and it's intense. And I'm so glad Spirit gave me this topic. Oh my goodness. Let's get into it after a prayer. So let's place our hands on our heart and be so grateful and thankful that we can change our mind, that we can let the obsessive compulsive thinking go. We can let the root cause of it dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so we never experience it again. We're setting ourselves free right now in this very moment. We are choosing spiritual liberation And we're grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self to connect and commune in the unity of all life. We open our awareness. We set ourselves free. We are choosing to remember our true identity. We are grateful that we can let the past go. We are grateful that we can choose to love wholeheartedly. So grateful for our healing and transformation. We share the benefits with all our brothers and sisters because we are united. In gratitude, we let the healing be. We know it is done, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. Oh, yes. Thank you for joining with me today. And so, yes, the topic is when it feels impossible to let go. And what I can tell you is that I had, uh, I've had a lot of experiences where it felt impossible to let go. Uh, Obsessive compulsive thinking, cannot stop thinking about it. And for me, it was uh, in particular around experiences where I had a strong, strong attachment to how I thought things should be or how they shouldn't be. And uh, when I had a strong, strong attachment to a person and I was trying to figure out how to get the relationship to be the way I wanted it to be. And another kind of obsessive compulsive thinking I would fall into was if I felt that somebody had done me wrong or had done somebody I really love wrong, uh, that is what would send me into a just an absolute tizzy. Uh, Many times I've said, you know, you can say whatever you like about me, do whatever you like, but uh, boy, if you attack somebody I love or are um, intent on harming someone I love, that would really, my ego identity would absolutely get bonkers over something like that. So I can tell you that... That kind of obsessive compulsive thinking would uh, absolutely make me feel nutty. It felt so sticky, like I couldn't get it off of me. 
And that felt so painful to me to keep going back to something that's bothering me, to keep going back to something I don't want to think about. Uh, Obsessively thinking along the lines of imagining having a conversation with people, explaining what they didn't seem to understand, explaining how I felt, explaining what actually happened from my perspective, explaining what I wanted from them, explaining how they let me down, and on and on and on. Uh, Or I would um, be compulsively imagining how to get revenge and get the comeuppance and all of that. And it was so painful to me, so painful. And I really felt obsessed and that I, I was compulsively thinking about these things and I just couldn't stop. Oh, I I really have very clear memories. I don't remember how it felt per se, but I just remember that it went on all the time. And uh, absolutely not a good use of our life force to be obsessively, compulsively thinking these negative thoughts. And they they don't help at all. There's no healing in them. Uh, Some people would probably call this processing my feelings and my thoughts. And, you know, I was um, uh, in this month of November, we're here on the last day of November, and uh, this past month I have been the guest speaker in the um, presenter series with uh, Bill Free and the Teachers of God, Lisa Natoli. And somebody asked me this week about processing is it good to process feelings and what did I think about that it's such a good question it really is a great question and so to me processing my feelings and my thoughts is trying to figure something out trying to understand them that's what my experience of processing is And as you've probably heard me say many times, if you're a long-time listener, trying to understand things is what the ego-identified person does. Because the ego-identified person is not in alignment with spirit, the source of all wisdom and knowledge. And so when we're ego-identified, We are trying to understand things. We're trying to figure them out. We're trying to process our feelings and understand what's going on and to make sense of it so we can make decisions about what we're going to do. And I've learned that that is not helpful to me, that that is very time-consuming, energy consuming and it's not ultimately very productive because I don't wish to make decisions based on my ego identity. I'm interested in going to spirit and receiving divine insight and clarity from the I am presence from that higher holy spirit self. To me they're the same thing. So that's where I'm interested in going for the insights and the revelations of truth. So what I notice is I don't have that same kind of compulsive thinking anymore, habitual thinking, trying to understand things, process things, figure things out. And boy, is that <laughs> that's such a relief. I can use my time in much more interesting ways. And for that, I'm very grateful. So what I've learned, and this is what I was saying in in this class, uh, I guess it was on Saturday, and I was saying that what I do is I turn it over to spirit and I say, what am I to do here? What is the highest and best choice for me here? What is the most loving choice for me? That's what I'm interested in. I don't want to figure it out, honestly. I don't want to labor like that mentally trying to figure it out when 
I can go to spirit and just say, let me know. And I feel comfortable putting it on the altar, as I like to say, knowing that spirit is going to let me know my own holiness, the I am presence, the higher Holy Spirit self is going to give me that divine download. And I'll follow that and it will go well. Sometimes it's what I already had thought of. Sometimes it's something completely unexpected. And sometimes it's just this. Uh, It's a simple realization. Oh, yes, the most loving thing to do is this. That feels so good. I'm going to take that and run with that. And it's... It's just such a time saver. This is why I say repeatedly, spiritual practice saves time. Spiritual practice saves time. It truly does. I like to be very productive with my time and my energy as well as the money that I have. With all of my resources, I like to be super-duper productive. And so it's important to me to find the most effective methods to live my life. And so processing emotions doesn't feel very productive. And the ways that I have found to process in the past were not enjoyable. Not enjoyable at all. And one of the primary ways I used to process my feelings was through talking with friends, telling them the story of what happened, what I thought about it, what I felt about it, what my options were. And, oh, my God, I used to do that hours and hours and hours. Really, truly. It was just, whew, what a time suck. And did I get any benefit out of it? Did I get to peace? Well, I I would find a reduction in my upset, but it didn't bring me the peace of mind and the results that what I now know I can get from laying it on the altar and saying to Spirit, you let me know what I'm to do and to what I'm to say, and I will just do that. But you see, it requi- that method that I'm using now, it requires trust. And that's why trust is the number one characteristic of God's teachers. It requires trust. You're not going to put something on the altar and leave it there until you get a response. The echo from God, that's, you're not going to do that if you don't have trust. I, didn't, I, I, I couldn't lay things on the altar and leave it there. I was always grabbing it back <laughs> to put it on the altar. God, help me with this. And then an hour later, I'm trying to think it out again. Or five minutes later, I'm trying to figure it out again. Boy, I just snatch it right off the altar. And so when that is the way that we're experiencing life, when that is the way we're doing things, it feels impossible to let go because we actually do not want to let go. We are not interested in letting go if that is how we're operating. So truly, 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 it is time for us to have a healing. And we can. We really can. So I'm going to point us towards here uh, section in chapter 27, it's number two, section two, it's called The Fear of Healing. And uh, here is where Jesus is talking about our identity, our identity. So when we are ego identified, we feel like we're on our own, separate. And so we have to figure things out. And this is what makes it so painful because we're not able to let things go because we can't figure them out, but we keep on trying. We're continuously trying to work our will and we can't be successful. 
deep down, of course, we know it. And even if we could be successful in working our will, it would not be helpful to us because we're not aligned with the only will there is, which is the will of God. So we're aligned with an illusion, a delusion. And that is not going to bring us the results we would like. And of course, deep down, we know that. That's why there is no rest when we are unable to, uh, when we're trying to figure things out from the perspective, the point of view of the false identity. Because the ego identified person can't even comprehend what would be most helpful. It's always going to be a choice that the ego would abhor. So we're not going to have the eyes to see the choice. We're not going to have the ears to hear the choice. Right? So healing Transformation, transcendence, transmutation, all of this goodness is for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, which means that they're listening to the higher wisdom. They're interested in that higher wisdom. Remember that Jesus tells us in the text that conflict is what arises when we say we'd like the peace of God, but we're not willing to employ the means necessary to experience it, to remember it, to feel it, to affirm it. We're blocking the peace of God when we are saying we'd like to be loving, we'd like to be at peace, we'd like to be kind and generous and remember the unity of all life. But these little monkeys are being such idiots and and morons that, you, you know, we have to do what we need to do to be able to punish them so they will learn that this is not what is right, right? We go into that kind of thinking or whatever insane negative thinking we have. That's the thinking we've been trained to think all our life, that ego-identified kind of thinking. When we're thinking those thoughts, there is no peace. I've come to value peace much more than being right from an ego perspective. Uh, From an ego perspective... Uh, I'm going to find myself making other people wrong, thinking that my happiness depends on them doing things differently and trying to manipulate them to do things differently. But my happiness has nothing to do with that. True, lasting happiness comes from being of service to the light by being loving and remembering my true nature is to be loving And the only way I can be happy and at peace and feel fulfilled is to be loving. Choosing to be unloving in my thoughts, choosing to be punishing in my thoughts will always lead me to a place of distress. And so that's why the the mind becomes compulsive and it's impossible to let go. Because it's like this, I want the peace of God, but how can I have the peace of God if I don't stop them from doing what thing I think they shouldn't do? How can I have the peace of God if I don't let them know that that really upsets me when they do that, right? These are the thoughts I used to think. You're really upsetting me when you do that. You should do something different, Thinking these kinds of thoughts will never bring us peace and happiness and joy and freedom and harmony and all the things that we say we'd like. So, 
one of the reasons that it feels impossible to let go is because we are believing falsely that the cause of our upsets is in the world. We're convinced that we're upset because of what's going on in the world or not going on in the world. And we're convinced that we're upset because of what other people are doing or not doing. We're upset for all of these kinds of reasons. And as A Course in Miracles tells us very early in the workbook lessons, first <laughs> first week, I am never upset for the reason I think. The reason I am upset is because I think I know what things are for, but, lesson 25, I do not know what anything is for. So if I'm upset, I'm not in my right mind. And when I'm not in my right mind, it's very hard to let things go. Now, there's a whole other aspect to this, which is related to our identity and who we think we are, what we think we are. So when we're having trouble letting things go, it's because we'd like to make a correction. And we're thinking that we'd like to make a correction in the world. Now, in chapter 27, section 2, which I referred to back at the beginning of the episode here, and then I never actually quoted, in paragraph 10, Jesus says, correction is not your function. Nope. Our function is forgiveness. Our function is to love and be loved. Our function is to open our hearts and minds to the higher Holy Spirit self. Correction is not our function. Jesus goes on to say, it belongs to one who knows of fairness, not of guilt. That would be the Holy Spirit. If you assume correction's role, you lose the function of forgiveness. So forgiveness is our function. Forgiveness is our function. What is true forgiveness? True forgiveness is letting go of the meaning we made of things. It's releasing our attachment to our interpretation of events, situations, Everything from the past, that is our function, to let go of our attachments to how we see things, the perspective, the point of view that is through a glass darkly, that is through the lens of the past, the dark, dark, unsettled past. It is our function to release our attachments to thinking somebody should be punished, somebody should be correction, corrected. Correction is not our function. Jesus says, No one can forgive until he learns correction is but to forgive and never to accuse. Right. So when we're in that compulsive thinking, we're thinking, oh, let's correct those monkeys, those people who are behaving in these ways we don't like. Let's tell them how what they do makes us feel, and it's their fault that we feel the way we feel. That's how we're going to correct them. We're going to get them to change because once the light goes on and they can see that what they're doing is what is causing our upset, then they will change and they will not upset us anymore. This is the insanity of the ego-identified person who thinks of themselves as a separate Self. It is insanity and it is the delusion and illusion of separation in full force. So when we're in that obsessive compulsive thinking, we've forgotten who we are 
and we've forgotten what our function is, and we're trying to change the world. Seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. You cannot get peace trying to change the world, or the people in it, or the past. There is no peace in that direction. (laughs) Yes. You know, uh, I'm going to go to break here in just a minute. And before I go to break, I'd like to say thank you to all the people who have wished me a happy birthday. My birthday was November 28th on Sunday. And many people uh, have reached out to me through all different kinds of methods to wish me a happy birthday. And thank you to everybody who sent me uh, a gift, a tithe, an offering. So, so appreciate you. Oh, my goodness. I really, really am grateful. And uh, when we come back from the break, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with the money that I've collected that people have sent me and the Amazon gift cards and all of that. So stay tuned. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me again. And I'm Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about when it feels impossible to let go, to let go of the thought, to let go of the belief, to let go of the upset to let go of the person, to let go of whatever it is when it feels impossible to let go. So I've talked about many different aspects of it so far, but to me the the primary challenge of why it's so difficult to let things go sometimes is because it is something related to our identity. Yes, it, it, whatever is going on that we're obsessively, compulsively thinking about, we can't seem to let it go, it is a challenge to our identity, to who we see ourselves as. So, for instance, I talked about how it really bothers me. It still does, not like it used to, but it still does bother me when someone attacks someone I care about. And I long ago realized I see myself as a, a liberator and a protector. And uh, that if you're going to attack someone I love, uh, that's going to provoke me. It, it, still, it still can get to me, but not like it used to. And so thinking that... Something wrong has happened, and I am the one to correct it, makes it impossible for me to let it go. Because really, I, what other people are doing, I cannot correct. I can hold the high watch for them and know that the correction is happening and that their own holiness is speaking to them, leading them, guiding them, even if it seems like it's not. I can know that everything they need is within them and that clarity is coming forth, restoration is coming forth and the ego identification is dissolving and resolving back to the root cause. I can know these things, but I can't change someone else's mind. But thinking that there must be a way and I'm supposed to find it will make it feel impossible for me to let it go. I know that I've had many experiences in my life, as we all have, no doubt, of someone trying to change our mind, and they keep explaining it to us again and again and again. Maybe we're the one that keeps explaining it again and again and again, thinking they're just not understanding me, Versus what's really going on is they're not agreeing with me. 
they're not interested in what I'm offering, right? So if I'm offering some idea of what I think they should do, and I'm really attached to them doing what I think they should do, then uh, I'm going to find it very hard to let it go because I'm going to keep thinking, well, maybe if I describe it this way, maybe if I give them this kind of incentive. And over and over again, we're trying to figure out how to manipulate them, how to coerce them. And that's why we can't let it go because we are in the place of having a judgment, having an opinion, and thinking that it should be different. So that's one of the reasons why it feels impossible to let go. And our identity is wrapped up in it. It could be that we see ourselves as the protector, as the rescuer, as the savior. It could be that we see ourselves as the ones who bring justice. It could be that we see ourselves as the victim. It could be we see ourselves as the... the one who's going to get revenge. It could be any number of reasons, but it's part of our identity is wrapped up in the experience. And so it's a threat to our identity when we're ego identified. When we're identified with spirit, there is no threat. How could there be a threat? When we recognize that we're a part of God, we're one with God, and that our identity is a spiritual identity, perfection, wholeness, beauty, wisdom, clarity, harmony, freedom, joy, abundance, prosperity, creativity, all these beautiful spiritual qualities are our true identity. When we're identified with our magnificence, how could what anybody thinks or says or does disturb our peace? It's not going to because our identity is clear. We're not trying to shore up our identity. We're not trying to build up or protect our identity. When we're identified with our Creator, with the perfect love that we already are, we do not fear attack because there's no way for anyone to diminish us. As A Course in Miracles says, we're invulnerable. And so if we're invulnerable, our place, our role in these kinds of situations is to be truly helpful and to see things correctly. So, when it feels so intense that we just can't seem to let something go, whatever it is, could be any number of things, it's an attachment All attachments cause suffering. It could be the attachment of a craving. It could be the attachment of an aversion. It could be any kind of attachment at all. But that is what is going to be a root cause of suffering. And so when we can look and see, oh, the reason I'm uh, compulsively, repetitively thinking about this is because I'm looking at it from a wrong perspective. I'm trying to change the world. I'd like to change the world. I'm thinking things are wrong. And that I'm supposed to be able to do something about it. I can't stand how it is I need to change it. Pain is a wrong perspective so that... compulsive, obsessive, addictive thought pattern where it feels like we just can't let it go. We just can't move past it. We need to do something. We need to say something. Or we're wallowing in the past. The antidote is to call upon 
our holiness, that higher Holy Spirit self, to lift us up. Our willingness is all that's required. And if we keep thinking that it should be different, we won't be able to let it go. Now, we think we know what it's for, whatever it is. But the truth is, if it feels like a splinter in the mind, and oh my God, I I used to feel that all the time. It was like a never-ending litany of things that drove me insane. And so when it feels that way, it is because we're not willing to accept what is appearing. We want to change the world, and our identity is threatened. So if we can have a practice that says, my identity feels threatened, but it cannot be so because I am one with God, and God's and God's identity cannot be threatened. So I, therefore, am not actually being threatened. The ego identity is being threatened. This is a trigger which is bringing a healing. Every trigger brings a healing if we allow it, if we let it. Because every trigger is showing us a false belief that is ripe for healing. We don't have to figure out how to heal it. Our job is to allow. I don't have to figure out how. I allow. I give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. And the healing happens. Let's go back to chapter 27, section 2, paragraph 10. Correction is not your function. It belongs to one who knows of fairness, not of guilt. So the Holy Spirit. If you assume correction's role, you lose the function of forgiveness. No one can forgive until he learns correction is but to forgive and never to accuse. So the correction that we make is true forgiveness. True forgiveness is releasing your attachment to the meaning you made of it, your interpretation is what you're letting go of. That's what real forgiveness is. So no one can forgive until he learns correction is but to forgive. We're correcting ourselves when we're letting go of our attachment to the meaning we made of it. We are correcting our mind when we're letting go of our attachment to our interpretation of it. Forgiveness is never, you're a sinner, but I forgive you. You did something bad, but I'm going to look past it. That's really not true forgiveness. Jesus goes on. He says, alone, you cannot see they are the same, forgiveness and correction. And therefore, is correction not of you? Identify, excuse me, identity and function are the same. And by your function, do you know yourself? So your identity and your function are the same. So our function is to forgive. That's what brings forth the remembrance of our true identity. So identity and function are the same. When we're forgiving, we're letting the love flow. We're teaching only love. We're living the love. Therefore, identity and function are the same. By your function, do you know yourself? And thus, if you confuse your function with the function of another, you must be confused about yourself And who you are. So, the uh, another in in this section is with a capital A. So, if we confuse our function with the function of the Holy Spirit, 
You must be confused about yourself and who you are. What is the separation but a wish to take God's function from him and deny that it is his? Yet, if it is not his, it is not yours. For you must lose what you would take away. So, separation is a wish to take God's function. Which is, God's function is to... To be God, right? To, and that's our function, to be God. So we don't need to play God. We are the love of God. Just to love, seriously, just to love. Teach only love, for that is what you are. In a split mind, this is paragraph 11 now, in a split mind, identity must seem to be divided. Nor can anyone perceive a function unified which has conflicting purposes and different ends. So sometimes we feel it is our function to punish people. And then you see we're in a place of conflicting purposes and different ends. If we're trying to get to peace of mind and correction through punishment, we are traveling down a road that will only lead us to a trash heap of pain and suffering. Jesus says, and thus does he become your victim, not your brother. Right? If we're trying to punish someone, they become our victim, not our brother. Different from you in that he is more guilty, thus in need of your correction, as the one more innocent than he. This splits his function off from yours and gives you both a different role. So we're looking at others with a different function, but we all have the same function and the same role. He says, and so you cannot be perceived as one with a single function that would mean a shared identity with but one end. So if we think that our job is to correct others, to punish others, then we are not seeing the unity of all life. Our function is to forgive, to, which means to let go of our attachment to the meaning we've made of things and our interpretation so we can see with spirit's vision. And this is the identity, or the function rather, of our brothers and sisters with everyone. This is our shared function, and we share an identity. And when we think that we are the uh, in a place of punishing or correcting somebody, we've made them into our victim because we see them as separate. He goes on to say here, correction, this is paragraph 12, correction you would do must separate because that is the function given it by you. When you perceive correction is the same as pardon, then you also know the Holy Spirit's mind and yours are one. So when you see that the correction is in your mind and your forgiveness, your letting go of the attachment to the meaning you made of things, that is the only correction that's needed. That is our function. Then you also know the Holy Spirit's mind and yours are one. Hello, isn't that what we're interested in knowing? Wouldn't that be so much more fulfilling to absolutely know in every moment than it could ever possibly potentially be fulfilling to be correcting and punishing? There's no fulfillment in that. It's just not. It is not just empty, it is the kind of emptiness that is 
a drain like a vampire. It's a waste. It's a wasting away. So this is how we find our true identity, true forgiveness, living our function, seeing our brothers and sisters are one with us. See that seeing the Christ in them. So the whole issue of identification is key to understanding why we can't let things go sometimes. Our identity is wrapped up in it. How we see ourselves is wrapped up in it. And we are not seeing ourselves as liberated, free, Christ-like. Oh no, we have a whole different false identity that we're trying to not just protect, but solidify. That false identity, we can work on it and work on it and work on it. It will never stand the test of time, as they say. Time is an illusion, of course, but it's it's not going to hold up. It's always going to be threatened. The false identity will always find a new threat. Always. And so the only peace and balance and happiness we can have is to get out of that battle. It is a never-ending battle. It is a lifelong war. And when that obsessive-compulsive thinking is happening, and the pain of it is letting us know we have a wrong perspective. We're seeing ourselves incorrectly. We've lost track of who we really are and who our brothers and sisters are once again. So being willing to forgive ourselves for making ourselves miserable, for clinging to a false identity and trying to keep it going, keep it alive, protect it, Affirm it and let other people know that our identity is whatever we think it is. Meaning the victim is going to approach people with the kind of uh, energy of, I am your victim, you have done this to me. And the person who thinks other people are wrong and bad is going to do the best they can to punish, to correct, to make them feel guilty, and that kind of thing. That is not our business, because our business is God's business. We work for God Incorporated. We are here to forgive, meaning to let go of our attachments to the meaning we've made of things. We are here to extend love and compassion. We are here to be truly helpful And we are not here to correct other people. We are here to correct ourselves through letting go of our attachments to our interpretations. It's not more complicated than that. So the antidote for the obsessive-compulsive thinking is love. It's love. It's extending love and compassion And if we put the Holy Spirit in charge of it, and just step back, step back, throw our weapons to the ground, step back. Approach the altar of the heart without agenda. Let me fulfill my function. Let me make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Let me see the Christ in my brothers and sisters. I don't need to make anything happen. I don't need to talk with people, explain things, convince people. None of that is necessary. Let me forgive myself for thinking that all any of that was important or valuable, or helpful 
in any way, shape, or form. So that's why we got to remember to laugh. I had to truly forgive myself for just absolutely destroying my life in so many ways. And all the the trying to punish and correct others just made me feel worse and worse about myself. So I had to forgive myself for that. And I did, because I put the spirit in charge of it. Now, I'd like to share with you that this week I'm doing a free workshop, Worthiness Workshop. And I'm doing it Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Sign up for one or all of them. It's totally free. You can go to jenniferhadley.com, find the Worthiness Workshop. And then the next week, I'm doing a three-part class called Undoing Unworthiness. And uh, people have told me this is so, so helpful to them. So if it calls to you, please consider joining us. Undoing Unworthiness, three-part class. And uh, the other thing is that the Undoing Unworthiness three-part class is free if you're enrolled in Masterful Living this year or for next year. Either one you get undoing unworthiness for free. And uh, if you're enrolling for next year, there are so many uh, wonderful bonuses. And they're all, they're not pre-recorded things. They're all things with me that uh, you can do live with me, pretty much. So uh, lots of Lots of wonderful, uh, I think it's like $1,000 worth of bonuses. So please, if you're going to register for a Masterful Living, get in there, register now, get your bonuses. Get your bonuses. Oh my goodness, it's time for me to wrap it up here. Thank you to everyone who supports this podcast. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray. So grateful and thankful to let the past go, to let the grievances go, to open our hearts and know the truth. We share the benefits with all. We let it be. So it is. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great week. I love you. Mwah.